0: Thank you, everyone. You will know what a great pleasure it is to me to talk to uh, Tams and Greg about um, Malvolio and other things. Um, I was here last night. I'd just be interested to know, I can't quite see, but how many of you have you already seen it? You put up your hands. Oh, a lot. And it's probably two-thirds have and a third haven't. Do you think that's about fair?
1: I think so. Okay. Can, you just, uh, can we see who hasn't and who I'm going to... <laughs> oh. <prepare? laughs>
0: I'm going to ruin it for you today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well,
1: well you it, chose to be
0: here. so <laughs> it's been, It was a great pleasure and an absolutely hilarious evening, I must say. Um, do you laugh at it? Do you still find it funny? There, there, are, there are parts in it that I have to... Re- I have a bit of a problem with
1: laughing anyway. On stage? O- o- no, no, on <laughs> film, when we're, doing, when we're doing film work. And I waste a lot of film time. Because I so off oh, there's an interesting offcuts. Oh, they've made so much money from me <laughs> wetting my pants on on. It's terrible, terrible. But there, I mean, even the other night, uh, Phoebe Fox, who plays um, Olivia, the way that she was reacting to me uh, coming on in the yellow stockings, I mean, it just made me laugh so much inside because she was. I mean, she looked like this little frightened doll. Who, who was trying <laughs> to get away from the monster under the bed. And it really made me laugh, and I had to be, like, tight, biting on my cheeks.
0: <laughs> so, I, yes, it does. I do enjoy it. Well, um, those, even those of you who haven't seen the play will know that uh, Tamsin plays Malvolia, and it is a sensational performance. <laughs> but it's also very eccentric, because although women have played Hamlet and various parts, male parts... Richard II, I think I saw uh, uh, an actress play. But trans- changing the gender of a major male character in Shakespeare, I don't, don't think that happened. I didn't see the Glenda Jackson Lear. I don't know if no. people saw that.
1: Yeah, did that, was that changed? Did she become a woman? No, she was playing a man. Okay, Men is so I, I assume then that I, this is the first time. We did, um, when I was first approached by Simon Godwin to do it, I I said... It was a great idea, but I didn't think I could pull it off. Um, and so he persuaded me to do a... where we'd sit down in a room and just read the play together with the genders not changed. And, so th- and Malvolia talks so much about being a man, and people talk about him as being a gentleman, uh, that it just felt a little bit uh, like I was back at my girls' school and you know playing a male part, because I always did, because I had big hands. And, um, <laughs> And uh, and I couldn't keep a straight face in the Crucible either at school, so terrible, terrible. Very funny play. It's great, really loads of jokes in that. <laughs> uh, so so I again said, well, I think it's not going to be possible because I, you, you know, I don't feel like a man, even though, you, you know, people mistake me for a man. <laughs> that happens, Joan. <laughs>
0: Right, okay, even
1: last week someone said, and for you, sir, and I was like, Oh, come on, (laughs) ah, not again, come on. (laughs) Uh, So, um, so we did another workshop with a group of brilliant actors, and we started to look at changing the um, the pronouns then and just and the gender, and then it the light started to shine, and we're thinking, Okay, so. There's something in it. I mean, I was originally thinking that maybe I was playing it as a woman. She was a woman genetically, but was dressing as a man. You know, you've ha- there yeah, I- I- right, in yes. history what there have been she- women who pretended. To, yes. yes, i mean, no, absolutely have pretended to be men in order to get by in a world that they wouldn't necessarily have access to. I thought poss that was a possibility, or that she was possibly intersex.
0: But, but we'll, get, we'll come to that in a moment. But um, start. let's roll it back further. Where did the idea first come? It was in Simon's head. He just decided. He just had the idea. Well I've, i I began a conversation with the with the national. I was here
1: eight years ago doing a a, a David Hare play in the Cottersto, and then um I waited for eight years for the phone to ring and it didn't. And um <laughs> uh they uh then we got together and had a conversation and said what sort of thing would you like to do? And I, you know, made my list of things I'd love to do. And of course everyone else has already got that list <laughs> and you know, had already dibs the great parts. And um so we started to think slightly wider. Than that. And um, I said, in a kind of petulant way, um, why would you not uh, offer me the role of Viola, for example? And there was a silence. And um, <laughs> I thought it was rude. But um, <laughs> because, I mean, it's very interesting, all the interviews that I'm doing recently, and particularly with female journalists, say to me, so you're reaching that age now, aren't you? And I say, what age is that? And they go, well, you know, when, when it all just, you know, stops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have to say, I've lived through generations <laughs> in which actresses have said, the thugger about growing old, once you hit 45, you're, there are no parts for women. There's a bit of a cry for generations, hasn't yes. there? Well, no
1: parts for older women. Yes, but I think I think in my generation, it, the, the landscape has really changed. That's great. And is changing yeah. more and more. And so, in my belligerence, I said to Nasha, well, why, why, what is it? Why wouldn't you, y- you know, people are doing uh, old Shakespeare, uh, just, you know, geriatric Shakespeare's. Why can't you do a middle-aged one? What's, what's that all about? And they said, oh, yes, that's very, very interesting. And then it went... <laughs> <laughs> and then it went quiet. And... Um, and then they came back and said, well, what about Malvolio? And I said... Oh, they,
0: the, the Malvolio came from them? Yeah. 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 What a shock that must have been to me. Yes, you. but,
1: but uh, what I thought was wonderful was that they were engaging in a really interesting conversation Yeah. rather than saying, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they went away and thought, but what is possible? What can we do now? And it was me, actually, who sort of put the brakes on and went, oh. Also, because the conversation about um, gender and sexuality... Is so hot at the moment, mm-hmm. and my fear was that if I was going to be playing it as either intersex or as a lesbian, or you know, for that character to be so abused, to become part of the da- that, that conversation. Yes, don't you? you do, but also you become part of agreeing that abusing someone who's trying to express their innermost desires is acceptable,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so we had to tiptoe very carefully around that hot. And to, and
0: to call the part Malvolia, did that come early?
1: Yes, that was Simon Godwin. Yes, he oh, right. yeah he he had that originally. But I did have to say to him, even in rehearsals, "Am I a woman? <laughs> <laughs> Can you just like m- clear it up for me? Because I, I think as a, as an actor, I, ha- I have to know, you know, yeah. am I a woman? Where along the spectrum do you yes, come? Yes, what and do I? B- because I think we all ask ourselves that question. All the time. More and more so now. More and more, I think. <laughs> it, uh, it's
0: you know, changing, I, yes. isn't it?
1: <laughs> so he did say, yes, you are. Yes, you are. 100%. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, the people who'd played the part before, Donald Syndon, mm. Stephen Fry, mm. um, Derek Jacobi. Mm. I, wh- what predecessors to have in the role? I know. Did you see any of those? I saw Anthony Cher, oh.
1: uh, who made me laugh my socks off. I thought he was absolutely genius and I also saw Bernard Breslau <laughs> do it at uh, the open air no, in, um, in Regents Park and uh, so I'd seen you know mm-hmm. brilliant Malvolio's and uh, there was a tiny part of me that said no you upstart you simply cannot get into that group you know you, you, you can't do that
0: right so you have certain decisions. once the decision is made it's going to be Malvolia and she is going to be a woman You've got a long, still got a long way to go because she is the she is the steward to Olivia. So she is the steward, servant, handmaiden. I mean, where are we? Go- where are yes. we getting into that?
1: Yes, they did change uh, steward to stewardess, uh, and um, which made me do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are your exits if you need to leave the production. Um, and so we did then uh, reduce that back to steward just because stewardess has its own I'm afraid it problems. carries too many too many too
0: much baggage but it, he, yeah
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> that's a great i've totally stolen that joke i hope that's okay <laughs> i will quote you and um, <laughs> but it wasn't just about changing uh malvolio into a female character they then wanted to see mm. how far that could be pushed mm. and decided you know, it's Shakespeare says in the play she has abjured the company of men about Olivia... after the, the death mm-hmm. of her father and her brother. And so they then thought, well, how interesting would that be? What, so it was actually true that her whole household is female. So Feste is now a woman and Fabian is now a woman. And all the household are all female. Uh, but then also because Feste is this um you know is this character that has that has access everywhere she can get everywhere a bit like actors and presenters you ca- you can kind of get anywhere
0: that's Feste is always a sort of androgynous character though isn't it usually in plays and performances yes. i've always thought particularly being the one with the songs and the melancholy and the whole of the uh the sort of spiritual side of the play yes yes uh, Yes, but I then
1: we did decide to keep words like um, fellow about Feste in because of that sense of of being able to go yes. everywhere. Yes. Uh, and so it, she, she's then not defined by herself as a woman, but just by her availability. But with Malvolia, we just kept taking out all the references to man and gentleman, and we tried to change it to gentlewoman. But even then... I. I wanted her to not express herself, her own self, as a woman. And um, we, some I had to do this interview where they asked about all the different actors, what they thought their character felt about love. How did they express mm-hmm. their understanding of love? I was thinking about this. Malvolio doesn't talk about his or her love. She only talks about being loved. She only talks about Olivia loving her. Yeah. So actually then, it's not then about her being a woman. It's She doesn't talk about herself. She doesn't see herself. She only sees about this thing that she, that she desires.
0: But jo- Malvolio and Malvolia are really consumed with self-love, aren't they? Don't they worry about themselves and ho- how much people love them and regard them and they want to be great and famous and successful? They slightly claim that they are already, but they're uneasy about that, isn't? Isn't that yes, something? Yes, and
1: Olivia does say that you're so you're sick of self-love. Yes, um, uh, which I think is brilliant, and I think that Malvolia loves that—that that, you know she's so concerned with with, you know—and also she's a Puritan, so she he yes. she knows the Bible backwards, <coughs> and so that thing of love your neighbor, neighbor neighbor as yourself means you have to start with yourself. So, therefore, I'm fulfilling the commandment, I love myself.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a very good commandment. In yes. order that number, I can love others. Which number is that exactly? <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, So, I think
1: that when the self-love is actually, she, she's absolutely sure, sure. about herself, yeah. and that all she has to do is make sure that everyone else who sees her thinks she's wonderful.
0: What about dress? Because there's quite a lot of important costume in this play, and... Uh, the greatest coup d'etat is probably your own, um, and the cross gartering uh, item. However, clear decisions were made to make you, give you Puritan appearance, yes, and and black, and really rather Jean Muirish, I would have said, <laughs> yes, in style, yes, uh, very stylish, and very, and also your your movements were not particularly feminine, but they were very fluid. They weren't girly. There's no scrap of girliness about this, is there? No. She's a very... How did you settle on all of this? Oh, those, these are lovely questions.
1: Thank you. My my um, image that I had very early on in rehearsals uh, was of popping corn. You know, r- little kernels that you yeah. put in the pan with butter and sugar. Yeah and they're really tight, hard little things. If you get one in your shoe, I mean, you know, you're dead. They're really... <laughs> I mean, have you all the time I'm finding them in my shoes. They're, they're so hard, and you can't break them open. They're these tight little... And you put a bit of heat under them, and it goes... <laughs> and you've got this thing, and you can't understand how that <laughs> came out of that. And so that was the image of, uh, of the tight, black, ordered... Um, beginning. Locked away. And you yeah. get a bit of heat on when she thinks she might be loved. Yes. And she just goes. So that was the, the image then for the,
0: going to spoil it, spoiler, <laughs> for the, um,
1: for the big... It's quite
0: an elaborate reveal, I think you would say. <laughs> um, apropos of which, we were speaking earlier of a play you did in Hampstead. And I just said by way of gentle comment, I I saw this play in Hampstead. It's a very serious play, I might say, but I did find something to admire in you, which perhaps other people haven't remarked on, which was the way you put your knickers on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This was, as Joan says, is a very serious Tony Kushner play called An Intelligent Homosexual's Guide to Capitalism and Socialism with a Key to the Scriptures. (laughs) And I took the... the Just to do the reading of it, um, based on the title alone... And um, uh, But there, you, you, I was. There was one scene where I was uh, lying on the floor. It says the stage direction is they are n- naked or semi-naked. And I, on the first day, I said to Tony that that, uh, that won't be happening. So that's so you can just so that's gone.
0: <laughs>
1: and um, so I allowed my character to. And they said, well, what, what about well, bra and pants? I went, no, 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 that won't be happening either. So I had a long jerkin and. But she had to, I said, well, what I will do is I'll put my pants on in the scene to show you that they have just had sex. And um, a lot of women talked about that afterwards. <laughs> talked about it, thought about thought it. Thought about it. <laughs> and and it a lot of my friends wondered, were then horrified, that actually they'd been watching me acting without any pants on. <laughs> You see what occupies audiences <laughs> when they're watching. Yes. But in this, in Twelfth Night*, I do have a lot of pants on, <laughs> so that's good.
0: You look great. You look terrific. It's
1: uh, rather startling. Well, I think the thing is, you know, you put a Puritan yes. in Elizabethan times in yellow stockings across cross and you've got a brilliant uh, image to, to, mm-hmm. to, to build from. It's terribly shocking and embarrassing and it destroys him. Mm-hmm. Y- y- you know, it's a, it's a remarkable coup de théâtre, as you he it. said. And so I thought, well, you put a woman in a pair of yellow tights, and you think, oh, that's quite cool. <laughs> and so I thought, well, we've really got to push the envelope on this. So that's how we got the idea of a kind of... Well, then you get a staircase like that, and three-inch heels, and you think, well, that's the burlesque routine. <laughs> and... Um, spoiler. <laughs> and, um, and then I thought, well, she's, she's exposing herself. So how can we theatrically achieve that? And so it was then about peeling off layer after layer mm. and then having a little spin at the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a clue. Mm-hmm. Malvolia, Malvolio, Malvolia, is treated appallingly in the text by the comic turns, by the um, opera booth, I don't know what they would call them, the comedians, but they aren't. Um, and there, the comedy... the Presumably Elizabethans de- derived from seeing such vicious humiliation of someone they disliked. I find deeply upsetting. Yeah. So, did you discuss? And indeed, you embed in your the pose that you take. Malvolio ends up in prison, in the dungeon, and, and hideously abused. And the pose you take then could have come out of some horrendous Bruegel painting. I mean, it's a really frightening pose. So you have gone with that, haven't you, with the thought?
1: Yes. Um, it, Shakespeare writes uh, in the text, He says, Malvolio within. Mm. So the way that they would have presented it originally would be he would have been either under the stage or in the, the section at the back where the pillars would have been. And, uh, and you could possibly have seen ha- his hands or something, but it is a dark place.
0: Um, I've seen it with like a cage, a pr- prison cage. I yes. mean he's
1: clearly in a cell, isn't he's he? He's in a cell, but it's, and, she, and he calls it a, a you know dark place or dark house. This house is dark. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to really explore what it is to because then it becomes very funny because then then it's about Feste pretending to be Sir Topaz the curate and Feste, so it then becomes this brilliant um, almost stand-up routine between someone who's conversing with themselves and Toby and Maria being the um, the aggressors. And we wanted it to go to a slightly darker place of um, of control mm-hmm. because that's what Malvolia's been doing up to that point, is that she's been controlling herself and her environment and the people that she has authority over. And, and the hedges. To, and the hedges. She even controls she's the got to control the hedges. <laughs> because then things are safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just wanted to put that slightly on its head to so that she then experiences herself what it is to be controlled. Because I think control comes from a place of terror. And she keeps saying, bring me light. She says to the fool, good fool. She starts saying good fool after she's been so rude to Feste. Bring me light, light. So I started th- I th- thinking, well, that's interesting. She's terrified of the dark. And, um, you know, what monsters exist there? And I really... Thought about that, you know, the child Malvolio. Simon made us ri- write really elaborate backstories. All of our characters, everybody in the company, even the women working in the house, have got the most wonderful, elaborate, um, literary backstories. It's really fabulous. They almost should be put together. They've and put created in themselves. Yeah, they? That, that we've they all. Should be in the they should be. They're wonderful, and um, Malvolio's is really sad. It's really sad. And... Uh, so she's been a steward to Olivia for years, has she? Or? She's been in the household, within the backstory, she's right. been the hu- in the household of Olivia I- with Olivia's father, right. probably as a child, but probably doing accounts. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, uh, now that Olivia is head of the house, she, she's brought Malvolia in to be the steward. So she's suddenly now got this power uh, that she may not have. So she's exercising that, that rule. And because Simon was really investigating the uh, the opposites in the play, he sees the 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 whole thing about being um, a dialogue between order and disorder, between um, Puritanism and and um, revelry, that the idea of um, of control and fear, you know, the terror that sits underneath control, that everything has to be mm-hmm. okay, was something that what we thought needed to be have a light shone on it so that she's not hidden, she's really exposed. So then how do you then say, get someone saying, this house is dark? Um. Well, you put a blindfold on. Actually, when it was more
0: well, more was vicious in rehearsals. Was yep. it? Mm. Yeah, um. I mean, it? I mean, well, of course, of course, it isn't seen as vi- uh, vicious by um, Toby and the, gr- the gang, because they think it's all hilarious, however cruel it gets, yes. which puts them at slightly at odds with modern sensibilities, because you're meant to say, oh, no, the joke's over. It's getting too... It's not funny anymore. Yeah, they don't say that. They think it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, but I think we do keep going with the joke, and I mm. think that may well be the point of it, is if you're going to start on that journey... Okay, this is where it's going to go, guys. <laughs> yes. You know, we've s- we, pe- people's careers have been turned around by taking a joke too far. Yeah. And, um, but I also think there is something like a catalyst that Feste, as the, as the fool who has access everywhere and can say things like the fool in Lear, can, say, can speak about truth, can tell truth into someone's heart in a way that other people can't... Uh, <coughs> That she has access to tear down Malvolia's control in order to set her free, and I think there is something in that. There's something uh, purifying that Feste does. That it's not all about maliciousness. Now,
0: feste-, feste is a sort of n- but neutral, inclined to be good, really, sort of the wholesome heart of the play in some ways because of the songs. I always think, but yes, also and it tells the truth. You know, sounds are really sad. sad. <laughs> yes, um, but of course she doesn't get her revenge. Malvolia, does she? She goes off into the night. She will be revenged on you all as well.
1: There, you know, there's the um, the sequel.
0: Yeah, <laughs> somebody it write is a m- it. It is m- <laughs> the m- most complicated play because, of course, it is about. Male and females getting mixed up, and male actors playing females who are pretending to be male. So, the complexity of the sexual um, charade is incredible. And as an, uh, I mean, Shakespeare started it, I don't know, but I mean, the whole idea of sexual fluidity and who we are at any one time is extraordinary. Um, did you talk about that when you were in rehearsal? I mean, because it, we've always known the plot, but somehow, in the, the times in which we live, it's somehow much more insightful, isn't it?
1: I think it is speaking into um, um, a, a, an interesting debate at the moment about who, who am I and how do I express myself and how am I seen. So, yes, we did talk a lot about that. And um, where do I orientate myself and how am I viewed? You know, I, as a person, Tamsin, I feel, ve- I feel like a woman. I feel very womanly, but I'm of- often people mistake me. A man and I there is a confusion in that. Where does this happen? Well, uh, you know, in Pret when I get my lunch. <laughs> you know, on the tube. Oh, mistake. Sorry, sorry, sir. Uh, and so uh so how you feel is often not how you are right. perceived. And um, and then it also sets up an interesting question about you know, our, we are we the selfie generation of mm. do I exist if I take a photograph of myself in front of this monument. It exists, and so do I. And if I send it out on social media, everyone knows I exist. You know, gone are the days when you just took a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just take no. a picture of the thing. You don't have to be in it, but now we do. And and we're also the whole Facebook thing of how do I seem? Well, how how can I, in a way, trick you into being what you want me to be? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really a hot present argument at the moment. And, uh, you know, Olivia sees Cesario and goes, <laughs> oh, 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 yep, that's no, for me. Yeah. N- no, uh, And then Viola, as Viola says, you know, disguise. I see there art a wickedness, wherein the pregnant enemy doth much. You know, as soon as you begin to pretend that you are something that you're not, that's when the trickster gets in and can play all sorts of games with everybody's mind. So I think it's a a call to one's own
0: authenticity. But you're an actress. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what actresses do all the time. They change their identity.
1: Yes, or what we're doing is we're drawing, out of the palette of colours that each human being is, are we drawing one colour that is already there, out, and going, look at this bit? Because I'm sure, you know, I like to wipe down surfaces (laughs) at home. (laughs) That's that. Okay, my name is Samson Gregg. I'm a wiper down of surfaces. (laughs) All right. That's my confession here in the group. I hope you will all share as well. But when I go home, if there are crumbs on the surface, I don't want that. I will wipe them down. And I think there is an element of control going on there. So I just started to dig around in that. And if you keep going with that, then you need to have your plant pots lined up. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: I did, of course, make a, a sexual fluidity error in referring to you as an actress because now I'm required to talk, speak of you as an actor. That changed about 10, 15 years ago. Yes,
1: well, I think that that's also uh, viable. People. It was very funny. One guy that was driving me to set one time, he said, to, so do you, do you call yourself an actor or an actress? And I said, well, personally, I call myself an actor. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's good, that. I said, "Why is that?" He goes, "Well, where do I come from, actress has an altogether different meaning." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Aww>. <laughs> I
1: thought it was really funny. So for him, I, I call myself an actor.
0: <laughs> uh, but let's talk about other other things as, as well as Shakespeare, because I mean, you, you've had, a, you have still a career in radio, in the <laughs> Archers. How many people knew that? Oh, lots of people. That's because I don't listen to The Archers. But you don't often appear because you live in Hungary. Is that right? Well, Debbie lives in Hungary. (laughs) (laughs) I'm confusing people.
1: (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I I went in for six months in 1991, and um, here we are. And, uh, well, I, I'm great on the radio because I'm any age and I can bob back in from Hungary and, you know, whack a few hornet's nests and <laughs> go away again. That's yeah. a
0: rather nice continuing story, isn't it? Oh, it's... it's wha- I mean, I think
1: it's an amazing thing. What other country in the world could have a, an ongoing drama, f- you know, from 1951, where people tune in to listen to stuff about digesters?
0: <laughs> but al- but also you know have critical stories that ch- change the national agenda when it comes to talking about you know life and um, cr- issues, issues.
1: Yeah, issues. I mean the whole Rob Helen story has been uh, yeah. has set people on fire with this with the idea of what is it to be abused and to not know you're being abused mm. and what is it to be an abuser and not know you're an abuser, mm.
0: particularly in the middle classes. Yes, that was very very cunningly injected into the national yeah, debate. Brilliant. Wasn't it? So, all right, so radio is still going strong. Um, film, I have to ask about television, basically, because as you know, I think I'm a great fan of episodes. How oh. is episodes doing? Is it oh. coming back? Episodes, we have shot the
1: final series. Oh. Yep, that's your lot. But and um, <laughs> Because you're going to Hungary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Hungary because I was doing television, and now <laughs> we've fed, television's over because they need me back there in Hungary. Um, so that's done. Uh, and I think that's airing in the summer in um It America, was, it was yeah. a
0: delightful idea. It's a very... Uh, for those who don't know it, it's about a, a, a husband and wife script write, uh, writers who, go, who write their very, very English, and yet they're recruited by Hollywood. Not a, not a likely tale, although there are some English script writers in Hollywood, aren't there?
1: Well, you have the team who put Sherlock together. Know, that's, that's right. And and
0: Ian and, and a long time ago, went. Yes. Yes. So, and they write the scripts, and of course, then they go over and and get into all sorts of scrapes, and the scripts don't fit or do, and it's a very, very original idea.
1: It's a wonderful idea, written by Jeffrey Clarick and David Crane. David Crane uh, was the originator of Friends, this little show they had in America, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, he and his partner Jeffrey put this idea together because they're writers and they wanted to talk about what it is to be aliens controlled by. Um, very, very powerful TV networks. And so they got Brits as aliens and um, <laughs> put them in, the, in, in L.A. And so we b- we're brought over having had this huge Brit hit, which is a bit like History Boys. And we had the wonderful Richard Griffiths in the, in the first series. And he's brought over and has to re-audition for his own part <laughs> uh, for the Americans um, because they think maybe um, he's not really very sympathetic character because he's English. And they sack him and decide that the part has to be played by Matt LeBlanc <laughs> of Friends, who played Joey in Friends, and um, and so we're forced to write for him. And there begins a, you know, terrible relationship of. It's
0: a. Ale- it's very. It's, it's very brilliantly that story is one Brilliant writers. They're so. It, great. So well, that's one. So, um, I mean, you have done a whole string of soap comedy soaps, and they all hinge and indeed have form. Forced you to find yourself identified as a comic actress. And I wonder whether yes. you mind that or not. I do
1: I, mean I do mind it. And um, um, I read an interview today, well, an article today. We, I did a QA yesterday, and some very interesting questions came up about this one particular piece that had been written by a reviewer in The Telegraph. I don't know if people had read that by Dominic Cavendish about this. And I don't read reviews, um, and but I, you know, obviously it filters through. And there's now been a big discussion about what this guy had written, and apparently he had said that um, his fear about this production of um, Twelfth Night meant that he was suffering the grief of the death of the great male lead. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, uh, so we had an interesting discussion about that last night, and. so I went, I thought, okay, I better read this so I know what I'm talking about. And um, just as, a, I'll, I'll come back to that, but just as a, to respond to what he said, I, th- I thought three things about it. Uh, one, I think the great male lead will be okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, they'll be I th- glad. I think they'll be fine. Um, uh, second of all, uh, he's been around in the business and has a huge knowledge about theatre. And what he's talking about is he is mourning what he has always known. And in the spirit of the freedom of speech, I think that's absolutely right to say, I'm mourning the loss of the change of my landscape.
0: Mm.
1: Absolutely fine. Um, My third idea about that was, he wouldn't have dared say anything if it had been a black man playing Malvolio. You can't have that conversation, but the fact that it was a woman playing it, he could still go...
0: Mm. Well, we can expect that. <laughs>
1: so I went and read his piece yeah. with an open heart. <laughs> <laughs> and two things tripped me up in what he said. He did call me comedy actress, mm-hmm. and Gregg. And then he... <laughs> And, you know, of course, we shouldn't, you know, give oxygen to the flames, but he did use the phrase, uh, it is a small step for this androgynous star. (laughs) So, I mean... So, my point about to answer your question is, I think it was slightly unenlightened vocabulary to call (laughs) me comedy, actress, androgynous and star, because this is an ensemble, you know, of all Shakespeare's plays this is an ensemble and that's why I agreed to do it because the people that, that he's, he's been able to cast in this are at the top of their game and that's the company that I want to find
0: myself in. But the point is, w- one of the skills, which you have many, is your capacity. You've been doing it this afternoon, is just to turn a phrase um, with a with a twinkle in your eye or possibly even just in your brain and know that people will respond with laughter. You could do it. You do you do it without noticing. You do it with it's <laughs> natural. It's but it's also turned to enormous effect. Well maybe I need to just stop that. <laughs> you know There you are? There mm. you are?
1: One of my nephews, Q-E-D. when he was very young, said very he said why do you joke? <laughs> and I couldn't answer him. You know, I think maybe I just need to stop all that and in order for people to forget that, you know, that's something that I'm able to do. And, you know, the thing is, I I, ha- I do have a big canon of very serious work as well. Yes. You know, you saw the Tony Kushner play. <laughs> there I weren't did. many laughs in that. No, certainly and, not. And um, y- I played Edith Frank's mother, mm. uh, Edith Frank uh, Anne, Anne Frank's, Frank's mother in the BBC adaptation of The Die of Anne Frank, which, uh, for me, is one of the highlights mm. of my career. And... Uh, a, a beautiful pe- piece uh, written by Paula Milne, which is a six-part series called White Heat, which he wrote, she wrote... Um, I'm sh- I, I don't know if you've seen it, but I think you would love it because it's seeing all of the decades, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, present Story day... Of my life. I mean, with the most beautiful detail. It's absolutely thrilling as a piece of yes. um, uh, historical documentation. And I played Claire Foy's mother, who was born in the 20s, but who was bipolar and who um, has a terrible um, journey with um, depression and then has electric shock treatment, which we had to film. And that also is at the top no of my there, list no. of no laughs. No. And, but you know, the things that I've felt most thrilled... When, when casting directors and directors and producers take a punt on someone and say, maybe try this, I, you know, my, I, my heart explodes with joy at someone just saying, let's see what's
0: possible. Having had the co- discussion and spoken of your, your, your wit and skill, Malvolia is not played for laughs, is it? I mean, Malvolia is a serious picture of someone um, putting herself... She's totally serious. She's not funny
1: that was the thing that i found delightful about she has absolutely no sense none. of humor none and when she does think she's making a joke has to laugh <laughs> in order to show to everyone else that she's made a joke yes. and it's n- it's a, not a joke it's a very poor statement and uh, so that i found very interesting there are elements of of my m- mum in there who who was she was she was a d- Surface wiper and um, <laughs> it was quite controlling. And um, you never quite knew if she found things funny or she was showing you that she found things funny because she thought that she should show you that mm-hmm. she had a sense of humor when she
0: probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> How interesting has this been this afternoon? <laughs> has it not? <laughs> Pansin, thank you very much indeed. Oh, <laughs>